edition of the Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Mario Tomic. Uh, welcome to the show, Mario. <laughs> Good to be here. Uh, for the for the listeners, can you give a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Right. So, well, most people would probably know me by my YouTube channel or if they stumbled upon social media pages that are linking to either some of my stuff, some of my videos, maybe on Reddit or Facebook or pretty much Instagram, Twitter, wherever you would find me. And uh, my background, well, currently uh, I'm pretty much immersed into fitness, nutrition, personal development, the science side of things, and just bridging the gap between what is evidence-based, what is really in the textbooks, what is in the original studies, with what we can apply right now to get better results in those areas with bettering ourselves and getting stronger, uh, getting more fit, or whatever your goal with your body composition is, and then also personal development, becoming a better person. But I mean, it wasn't always like this. I mean, I, my background is um, I have a master's in computing. I'm a big nerd. You know, I was a I was kind of an overweight nerd. Now I'm a ripped nerd. You know, it's just this. <laughs> the the brain is the same, uh, but the curiosity is there. And I discovered this passion about seven years ago, where I when I finished college, I was pretty badly out of shape. I kind of uh, I had nobody to parent me. That's what I want to usually. When someone tries to ask me, okay, what do, you, what do you think happened to you? You know, why did you get overweight in the first place? And I tell them, well, there's nobody there to parent me. Because when I went to college, as you know, I mean, we all, when we go to college, we enter this YOLO mode, right? So everybody's full on YOLO. We don't care. Uh, we just enjoy ourselves. And there's no parents there. There's no teachers there. Nobody's forcing you to go to classes. I mean, of course, you can go there. But nobody's forcing you to actually be engaged with that. And uh, there's no parents, right? So you kind of have to parent yourself, but you don't know that. And then you go off track where you eat crap, you play video games all day, you don't take care of yourself, you're not physically active, you don't do anything, right? You just drink, party, and do all these things. For me, it was mainly video games, and um, that was kind of my thing for a while, so I get really overweight, I destroyed my health a lot. Uh, last year, I was actually not in video games as much as much as in party because I was thinking I'm going to regret the college years. I mean, it just be, it was a complete train wreck. And then went back home. I felt like, damn, you know, man, like I need to get my shit together. You know, I get have to put my life together. And uh, I got a job. I mean, first I waited for that job for a whole year uh, for that job to happen. I was applying, and and that's kind of where. I guess my first dream got crushed because I got this master's degree in computing, which is obviously really hard to get. You know, I had study like all the statistics, math, and all this crap that is that uh, I call crap, but it's actually very, very useful skills if you're really passionate about it. But um, for me, it didn't help me at, at all to get a job or anything like that. So I was really disappointed in the system, and that's something where I kind of first realized that I had to take care of the, myself. And I was always giving that responsibility to someone else, either to my parents or to, to the college or to the school or something. So when I came back, I realized, damn it, you know, this is my responsibility. So the same as it's my health, same for my business, same for everything, is, is either you take action or you, or you don't get it. So what happened was then I just started looking at my life really from 
top to bottom, where, where am I lagging? I started reading more personal development books. One friend introduced me to Anthony Robbins, which is pretty cool. I think that, um, that was kind of a, just came in the right moment. And, um, I read this book, I mean, his famous book, Awaken the Giant Within. And, uh, that was the first step into personal development that afterwards I realized, well, I can actually develop myself, take action, and it's going to get better. It's all a skill set. So it's not like that some people are born to be rich. Some people are given stuff. It's more like that they worked for it. So it was a mental shift that led me to realize that if I work for it, I'm going to have it, right? So I'm going to move forward if I just work for it. And that was a huge thing because before that, I was thinking it's someone else's fault, number one. So I'm a victim. So I'm always a victim and I can't change anything. So it's kind of going from hopelessness to, okay, if I just work hard enough, I'll be able to change. And then I started, I mean, number one, I looked at all my areas of my life, like it was all kind of a mess. And I figured health was one thing that I really had uh, the opportunity to improve first, because uh, I mean, what you eat on a day-to-day basis is is under your control to some extent. The job and that wasn't really under my control because I had no skills that I could monetize, but I had, I mean, I know how to eat food. I just don't, I just not, don't know what to eat. So I just started working on that. I started becoming more physically active. I joined the gym and that was about six and a half years ago. And um, since then I haven't missed, I think more like five workouts in the whole six year period. I'm training really hard and a lot and I love it and I enjoy it. As far as nutrition, it's similarly to that. I've been taking care of that area of my life. I'm I'm thinking that it's a part of me right now. It's not something that I'm actually actively doing anymore. It's just a part of who I am. It's an identity-based habit, behavior. So it's no longer based on, okay, I have to do that. It's just, I feel bad if I don't do that. You know, it's just who I am. You know, you're, you're an athlete. You're, you have your identity and you just take care of that. So long story short, I mean, very, very fat, nerdy uh, gamer turned into a ripped nerd who is very passionate about science, and uh, that's one thing that I'm very data-driven right now. I look into the science of things rather than uh, just anecdote. So I like to look into actual research and try to put things together to deliver, to kind of get a direction where things might get better. So in terms of if you're looking at data versus anecdote, you go to the gym and the guy tells you, hey, this is what worked for me, right? If you take that, that might work for you, that might not work for you, because that guy is just one person and he just talks out of his experience. Mm-hmm. If you look at scientific studies, you have pools of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of people. In fitness, we don't have that good research, but we have a lot of research at least to know the basic stuff. We can take that and extrapolate that and get really good starting points and averages where we know that this could lead to better results. We know that this is proven to lead to better results because you take one method and you compare it to the second method and you see which method excels on an average. So if, if method two is better, okay, this is probably better. It might be the second worst method of all time or something like that or the second best, but then, then you compare that to something else and you get that, right? And it mm-hmm. just improves and improves over time. That's why, I mean, that's why I love science because it's so grounded in truth. It, it's not clouded by bias often and that's, that's why it's so powerful because if you if you just take stories, you know, someone will tell you, hey, I did this and it's crazy angle and the bicep curl. But I mean, <laughs> maybe he, he didn't do it. Maybe he did. It's really hard to believe uh, us. I mean, we're inherently uh, biased. So that's why I prefer science, because it's the closest to the truth that we currently have. 
and especially reviewed uh, literature, peer-reviewed randomized controlled studies, that's as close to the truth as we can possibly get right now. So yeah, that was like a little bit of a longer uh, <laughs> intro, but yeah, I mean, um, it is important to point out from, from what kind of context I'm coming from when I give you any kind of information, it's based mainly on, on a variety of studies or, or reviews mainly, not, not just individual studies, but more reviews. And to come back to that point, uh, to the re- why you got into fitness, uh, what was the catalyst for, for you wanting to make that lifestyle change in the first place? Because you bring it up a little bit on your website uh, and you kind of term it uh, going from skinny fat to a ripped physique. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- you can ask yourself why. Um, that, that's, kind of a, that's kind of interesting. It's, it's like asking yourself, do I need a reason to do this? Or what would be kind of a, is that a natural state of what I should be doing? I mean, the thing is, if I ask myself, okay, do I need to do it? I don't obviously don't need to do it. I would survive if I don't do this. But the question is maximizing your potential versus like getting the minimum to go by and where where you lean more. So I'm more of kind of leaning on the side, okay, let's see where things go, where I can take this gift that I have here and this little blue rock that we have here for a couple of years and I'm going to regret it if I don't try it and if I don't maximize my own potential because I see that that is kind of like what we're what we're looking at exercise and nutrition and all these health habits as something that we must do to prevent disease versus something like that we should naturally be doing because disease happens because of lack of the natural state that we're in which is supposed to be movement and taking care of your nutrition all of that so it's more of that when you remove that natural ability and that need that you have for exercise, for activity, for great food, that's when problems start because you're disrupting a system that is designed, I mean, obviously, with so, much, so many years of evolution, then you're in trouble. But it's not that you actually do this to cure something. It's more that that thing is caused by the lack of this. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like where, where I'm looking at it totally different way. Right, so that's uh, yeah. So kind of going on from that point, obviously the fitness industry focuses probably more so on that aesthetical part of it, and probably mm-hmm. doesn't focus as much on the mindset. And it's something that you bring up with what is the per- people's why, 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 why do they not go to the gym? Why do they go to the gym? Uh, why do people? Some people struggle with diets, and some people manage to. Uh, sustain probably more so a lifestyle change over a longer course of time and is that something you'd probably attest to and agree with yeah yeah I mean we're talking about uh, looking at it from a perspective of okay I'm doing this to get certain benefits the way I'm looking at it more is that if you don't do this you get in trouble so if you don't exercise you don't take care of your health you get in trouble it's not that you're doing this inherently just to get some benefits. And that's kind of how the media and everything is. If you're looking at right now how it's portrayed, it is that you're doing something special if you're going for a walk or if you're going for a run or if you're, doing to, if you're going to a gym or something like that. You're doing something special. Like it's not natural for the human body to move, that this body that was designed to, to literally move, hunt, and, and do that every single day until you die. Right? That's what it's designed for. And only when you remove that component, that's when we start getting into trouble. 
And that's kind of the research is going backwards as well, just proving these points, which are already, I mean, make sense for the body to be designed to move. And that's um, something I think a lot of people miss in, in the whole search of they're like, okay, what can I do to minimize the effort that I put into this that I can get the maximum out of it, you know, for, and then I can go back to my old lifestyle. But it, the, the old lifestyle is what got you in the, in the problem in the first place. So as soon as you get back, I mean, you don't really, you, you haven't really addressed the root issue, which is kind of your relationship with, I guess, your, uh, what you're designed for. And that's, I think, a lot of, and it's not our fault. I mean, we're not taught this. We, we don't have this mindset in our, our school systems and all of that. I mean, we're, we're pretty much... Uh, completely clueless when it comes to nutrition when it comes to training and expressing ourselves in a physical way and a lot of people that uh, say oh I don't like to exercise or I don't like to eat healthy or I don't like to cook I don't like to dance I don't like to play guitar I don't like to do these things is because they're simply not good at it as as human beings we want to express ourselves in things that we're good at and if you're if you're never went to the gym if you're not strong you won't really have that pull to express yourself as someone who's strong, but try to keep a strong guy out of the gym. Just try to do that. He's gonna like, he's gonna tell you what the hell, you know, I wanna go there. I feel bad <laughs> if I'm not expressing something that I already am good at. And that's what we wanna do. I mean, even as little kids, even as adults, we always wanna prove ourselves in something that we're good at to ourselves and also to other people. And that's one part of it. You know, it's not all the only part of motivation, but it's a big part where it, we have to understand that this doesn't come, you can't necessarily know if you like something or not before you get good at it. And funny enough, if you get good at it, you're probably going to be very, very passionate about it. And that's uh, one reason I always like to joke, you know, why I don't like dancing is because I suck at dancing. It's not because, it's not because dancing, I mean, like, I'm not a dancer, it's just because I don't have the skill set in that particular area that makes me uncomfortable, so I'm not very motivated to do it. And if I was a good dancer, I'd probably be the first person on the dance floor, right? I would be motivating other people to do it. And similarly, now I'm motivating people to go to the gym because I'm, I'm good at it, right? I've invested so many hours in it. And you can become is, is probably even better than me because, I mean, my average genetics aren't that good. you probably become better than me. And then you're going to be inspired as well to motivate other people to do it. So it's kind of like... Um, <laughs> chicken or the egg problem here, right? Do you have, you have to be motivated to start or do you find motivation after you started? I found that for, for most, the, most of the part that motivation actually comes from taking action versus that motivation to be a necessity for taking action, right? So motivation kind of follows action while most people think it's reverse, right? Most people think it's like, okay, I have to wait until inspiration comes, right? And that's, I mean, obviously... Uh, not happening, right? Because motivation comes in waves, you know, it just comes and goes randomly. And um, you will find yourself motivated as soon as you put on your gym shorts and you go there and you will find yourself motivated as soon as you enter that, that building, right? So yeah, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the tricky issue there. Well, it's an interesting point you raised in terms of motivation because a lot of people probably use that as an excuse or oh, I need to have something... Uh, to get me into that position to want to go to the gym, be it, well, as we're coming up to that Christmas period, it'll be, you can, obviously with the fitness industry, you could time it like clockwork. There's going to be people that are going to go to the gym in the new year. And obviously there's going to be some that will be able to keep 
going long term and you're going to have those that are going to be to a better term stuck in a rut they'll go for oh, I don't know what the, t- the the duration is about probably about four weeks maybe a little bit longer and then stop and then you you will probably see those same people again in a year's time and it, it's, it's 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 a case of um, coming back to that mindset uh, thing, uh, it's it's for them to maybe have short-term goals before coming to that New Year's resolution of I want to get I want to lose weight and go to the gym because of that, as opposed to probably it's more of an unrealistic goal for them to say, well, I'm going to go to the gym at Christmas to lose weight and they're not able to sustain it and then they're just in that vicious circle year after year after year and kind of kind of similar sense with people with the similar with the yo-yo dieting obviously they can't get off that merry well loosely termed the merry-go-round they're just stuck on that and they just can't find a way of getting off yeah we're talking about I mean we're talking about a specific uh, I mean, I don't think this is a vast majority of population who think this way, but and it, it is a substantial amount of people that think this way. And it also there's a there's a case for it. I mean, it's not the people's fault, really. I mean, if you look at all the all the marketing and everything out there, it is really playing our card that is instant gratification, right? So you can do this, you can get fast results, and you can get back to normal. And a lot of marketing is tailored toward that. And that is mismanaging people's expectations because now if you think that you can just juice cleanse for three weeks and get 40 pounds off, why would you want to do a lifestyle change that someone else is saying, hey, this is going to take you a couple of years to fix? Why would you do that if the juice cleanse person who has a marketing guy hired and and a whole team of people marketing it to you saying that you could do it in three weeks – it's normal to expect that, okay, minimum time and effort, maximum results versus a lot of time and effort and probably not even as good of results because the marketing on the on just the normal side of things is not as strong. Also, we, we kind of tend to believe that the more extreme solution is, the, the better it is. We kind of fall into that extremist. It's like the normal change your lifestyle, lose a couple of pounds here or there, like a couple of pounds a month isn't as sexy and isn't as attractive as the one, hey, shut off 15 pounds in a week, right? Isn't, isn't, this isn't as strong and as polarizing, which puts people off because it's not as strong as of a marketing. And we're very, very attracted to getting those fast results. But people don't understand the physiology of things, and they think that this is really sustainable and possible. They don't actually see the big picture because if you, take, if you pull it out of the context, and if you just see the two numbers, it might, this one just seems like it makes logical sense because people don't see the context of the whole situation, what actually happens if you go for that fast loss, what happens if you go for that slow, steady lifestyle, let's build habits, let's change our behaviors, let's, let's actually do what is healthy for us, right? Let's do what's better for me because it's better for me, not because I'm running away from getting sick. I just want to do this because it's better for me. And that's kind of like um, more of that mindset of, uh, this this marketing here is like exclusion. So exclude these things. These are things bad for you. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Don't eat anything versus more of an inclusion mindset where it's like, okay, these things might actually benefit you. So you should do these things because it's going to make you better. But unfortunately, I mean, human brain is wired to be more attracted toward 
running away from trouble than to find something that is positive and good. So that's why a lot of people are not really even motivated to start because they're in between. They're, they're not in a bad position, but they're also not in a good position. They're kind of in between. So you're kind of just, just at that point where you don't need to put in that much effort. You know, just at that little point where it's not urgent to do it, but it's also not urgent not to do it. You know, it's kind of just in between. So that's where most people are stuck. So there's not a lot of education and knowledge out there that is really promoting why you should do this lifestyle. Like, what, what, is, the, what is the benefit, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you raise the, the good point of obviously people want that quick fix. What are some of the negative downsides of obviously the quick fixes and something like an in, intimate fasting kind of diet? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that there is any negative downside of doing a crash diet if you do it properly. I mean, there's really good crash diets out there, such as uh, the guided diet. If you look at the rapid fat loss handbook from Lyle McDonald, where it's really a protein sparing modified fast, you get enough protein, you get your minerals, vitamins, your water, and it's a controlled situation where you really do get a lot of weight loss fast. But the issue is that if you're doing these diets and you're not necessarily familiar with the whole scope of nutrition that you need for your body, how to manage your macronutrition, how to manage your calories, then you won't be able to sustain the results. And that leads to eventually to disappointment, lack of self-efficacy and weight regain, because now you're, you're looking at it as a short-term thing, right? You're looking at something that, okay, if I lose this weight, I can go back to something that was before. But as soon as you go back, I mean, the same thing that led to weight gain, it's going to regain all of the weight and you're not going to move forward. So it's kind of like not accepting the fact that things need to change, right? Things need to change. What you did before led to this. If you want a different outcome, something else needs to be done. And that's it, right? There's nothing wrong with intermittent fasting, with fasting. Might as well, I mean, if you can do that, you can do alternate day fasting, you know, one day you don't eat anything, the next day you eat your calorie amount, and that's been very, very successful. In clinical trials, you can see that fasting diets are often used to promote rapid weight gain, and under clinical supervision, they work, they work fantastic. And protein sparing modified fast is, is a fantastic tool that people can use to lose a lot of weight fast if they're needed to get ready for a surgery, if they needed to get ready for something like that. It works fantastic. But Outside of that condition where people are just controlling everything for you, a lot of people just do it completely wrong. And because of uh, because the, the facts and the information that is out there on these things are, is often wrong, and we don't necessarily know which resource to go to to educate ourselves. So that's one thing why I'm doing my channel on, on YouTube is to get people, if they're into doing something extreme as that, well, at least know how to do it. You know, at least know what are the methodologies and how you can get results from that. And that doesn't mean that that's the best approach or the worst approach. Every approach is a, is a trade-off. Like every approach has a pro and con list. So the slow approach, I mean, obviously there's, there, there's a con of theirs. I mean, it just takes longer to get results. The pros are obviously less uh, pain short-term. So you're kind of prolonging the, the pain so you take a little bit of less doses, you know, you're less hungry. But the, the fast approach, what's, let's say the pro of that, you're over faster, but the con is, is that you're front-loading all the pain. So it's really hard. You're going to be fucking hungry. You're going to have to endure all these things, mental focus lacks, and you're going to be pissed off, angry, and all these things. But yeah, I mean, you're over faster. So it's kind of like always a trade-off. 
and you want to see what type of personality you have, what you're more attracted to. I mean, that's why coaches exist out there to help you find the best approach for you if you're really interested in losing a lot of weight. But if you're an athlete, I mean, then we have to take that into consideration as well because we're talking about, we're just now talking about general population. Athletes are interested in performance. They're interested in expressing themselves in a sport. Then we're taking that into consideration. For them, it's probably not a good idea to do such a diet in, let's say, they have a competition coming up or they have a, they have a match coming up or a game. You can't just do a rapid diet. That, that's going to influence your performance in, instantly. You can't just do that. Physique athletes, they have to worry about retaining muscle mass. Maybe it's not a good idea. So it's always depend, dependent on the context where you can use certain tools. And all these things are tools. So we have to see the bigger context, the bigger picture, and determine the best course of action. And you can only do it, number one, if you educate yourself properly. Number two, if you do it with a coach. And number one, will probably take a lot of trial and error until you figure out the actual way how to do it. Because, I mean, even with a coach, it's an educated trial and error because your response to things like intermittent fasting is very individual. Some people don't feel hungry at all when they do one or two meals a day. Some people are, I mean, biting their hands off. You know, you don't really know until you try it out. Mm. So it's an educated trial and error with a coach. With you, it's a trial and error, but it's going to take a while probably to figure it out. So, I mean, again, there is a trade-off as well. You can invest, get it faster, or you can just do it yourself, which is a little bit slower. But, I mean, it, it, again, it's always a trade-off. So you have to see, am I willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to pay the price to learn it myself or the price for a coach or what am I what am I willing to do? How much do I care about this? Well, it comes down to, like you say, it's the trade-off between uh, am I willing to invest or do I want to do it uh, myself and it's going to take, obviously, a little bit longer. So it's that, that, that trade-off, like as you say, between what you really want to do, how long are you willing to let, let the, not let it, let it be, but how long you are willing to uh, let it not last but take over that duration and then from your your channel to kind of move on to the next question you you kind of regarded as obviously that that, that skinny guy that's become ripped uh, what did you do to to get ripped in the first place and I think you, you brought up a video how to get to six uh, percent body fat mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? Again, um, what it really comes down to, the basics of any kind of approach, if you're truly interested in, let's say, lowering your body fat level, number one, we're looking at finding a way to be consistent with a calorie deficit. So let's face it, right? Calorie deficit has to be created. It has to either come from an exercise routine. It has to come from either diet or a combination. Usually the combination works the best. Then we're looking at the proper macronutrient composition of the diet. So we're looking at higher protein if your goal is really physique related. If your goal is just general health, we need to take care of protein that much, although there is benefits obviously going higher in protein because you're going to get some satiety benefits from that. But just for general health, you don't really need to go, I mean, if you're above the RDA of protein, just to recommend a daily intake you're going to be fine, right? But in terms of physique goals, obviously you want to maximize protein. And then when you're looking at your carbohydrates and your fats, you can go with personal preference. There's not that much difference. If you're an athlete there, you might go a little bit higher with carbohydrate, of course, because you're interested in performance, not just that, uh, just not just losing fat. You're also interested in performance 
And if you're a physique athlete, that performance will lead to more muscle retention, which is obviously the priority on a diet is to minimize body fat and maximize muscle retention or even building muscle. If you're someone who is in that position, like a beginner or someone who's coming from a layoff or training or something like that. So we're talking about the basics. And one thing that is really clear so far is that it's not necessarily about finding that specific diet and focused on the specific methods of that diet. People are getting ripped at all kinds of diets. When we, when I say word diet, I typically mean like certain diet camps that have formed on, on online and in person, such as paleo, vegan, vegetarian, uh, low carb, high carb, bodybuilding, bro diet, or whatever the diet is, right? Zone diet, Mediterranean diet. There's a, there's a countless amount of diets out there. And we can see that people are getting results with all of these diets. There's people who are getting results with all of the diets, and there's also people who are failing on all of the diets. So there's no exception to this. Like most people are, most diets have people that are getting results with them. And now what was the question there? Well, instead of looking at what's so special about that diet, why don't we look at what's the good thing that all the people that are successful with these diets are doing that is in common? Like what's the thing that is in common with all the diets? And we can see that. That's the calorie deficit. Either they're conscious of the calorie deficit or not. So they are tracking their calories or not, but they're in a calorie deficit. Like people are in a calorie deficit if they're losing weight. Second thing, usually involves some kind of higher protein intake. Third thing, the diet quality tends to go up, tends to go up in terms of like eating mainly whole, healthy, unprocessed foods. This is what we see what's happening because people deal with hunger more. And also the fourth factor, hunger. We can see that People who are successful with diets, this, there's research on this. I mean, usually are people who are the least hungry, who have managed the skill of knowing when they get hungry, how they cope with that hunger. Does that hunger happen in the morning, the evening, midday? When do they snack? How do they get in that caloric deficit and stay there without any issues? And then the fifth component is obviously that most of these people who are doing really, who are getting really good results are doing some form of resistance training and they, they would enhance their physique in a way that they have more lean body mass, which is a really good indicator of health and also of long-term success with a diet and how they look. So we're looking at commonality is instead of looking at what is the difference between these diets. Because if we look at on one side a vegan diet and another side a paleo diet, those are like Mars and Venus, you know, completely different in terms of like what foods you actually eat. But you can see that if you apply these basic principles – the deficit, the, the protein, the resistance training, the sleep, the hunger management, you get the same outcome, right? You get the same outcome practically with totally different approaches. And we don't necessarily know, looking at the research, I mean, it, it's very, very all over the place where we can say that this specific food is bad or good for you. I mean, it's really, really hard to distinguish whether it's a food that is that is damaging someone or it's just the lie that they're, they're just eating a crappy diet overall or is it that they're getting health benefits from a caloric deficit or something because they're doing intermittent fasting. We don't necessarily know, right? But we know what the su most successful people are doing. And if you just do that, you're going to get results, right? And that's one thing when I say getting 6% body fat, that's an extreme goal. You don't need to go to 6% body fat. If you go to 6% body fat, that's for a really good reason. You're either crazy, like like I am, a little I say a little bit crazy because it's not a it's not a goal that it's not a goal that is necessary, right? It's like people don't see the difference between six and eight and ten percent body fat, like normal people walk in the street and they're just like looking at you, hey, he has abs, that's cool. 
But you, in your life, 6% body fat means that in mid-May, when it's 30 degrees outside in a warm country, you have three layers of clothes because you're cold all the time. Your immune system is screwed up. You're sick all the time. You can barely fall asleep at night for some strange reason, even though you're, you're crazy, crazy tired all the time. You're hungry all the time. Your penis doesn't work. I mean, your girlfriend hates you. People in general, I mean, you can't work with people anymore because you lack focus. You lack the patience. It's a really bad place to be at for a long time. It's only there because you have a competition or a photo shoot, and then you put that photo out, and then you go get out of that. You know, you go higher in body fat. You go to a normal range, which is for you, depending on your body fat set point, where you should be. But people think there's a disillusion that these photo models are just walking around in that shape all year round every year, which is kind of that illusion that, we are fed constantly. So when you get to that 6% body fat, you stay there for a little bit as a challenge, but you get out of that. You get to 8 to 10% body fat, and you're, and you're good. You still look fantastic, but now you're also feeling much better. Mm. You can actually make gains in the gym. You can build muscle. You can uh, enjoy your life. You can actually go out for a meal. If you're eating 1,600 calories, man, like that's, that's nothing for a guy who's training six days a week doing two, three sessions of cardio. 1,600 calories, you, you eat... You eat a meal and 15 minutes later you're hungry. And people don't realize how tough it is to actually get those low body fat percentages if you're a natural lifter. It's ridiculous. Even I mean, even if you take a ton of drugs, it's hard. Probably I mean I don't think those guys I mean are having a walk in the park as well. But as a natural lifter, it's chaos. Your system is literally uh, dying. Uh, all your organs are shrinking and all of that. Like you, you're dying, right? So. We need to be aware of this, right? We need to kind of, that's, that's why I like to do it on my channel, is really share the reality of what it really feels like to be that shredded guy. And is it really worth that for you? Do you want to do that? And that doesn't mean that it's an excuse not to do it, but think of it as a challenge. So if you want to take the challenge on, you can test yourself and see, and if you can do it, then you can always go up a little bit. You just go to 8 to 10% body fat. For most guys, between 8 to 12% body fat, that you're going to look fantastic. It's like a Hollywood actor physique, a little bit more shredded. You can walk around that all year round if you want to. But getting to a 6%, that, that extreme level, I mean, I mean, look, it's, it's a temporary thing. It's not a long-term thing that you can do. For most guys, I, I, I don't think that anybody can sustain that. Uh, I've never met anybody who's a natural lifter that can sustain that for a long period of time without having a ridiculous sacrifice and with, with not damaging their health in one way or the other. So it's really, really important to have people know this stuff. And coming on to that point, obviously, you raised about body fat. Can you truly gauge it? Well, here's the thing, right? So you can measure body fat, but you would need to kill a person and take their muscles out, and then you would need to separate the fat from the muscle, and then you would actually be able to measure the exact amount of body fat. So when I say 6%, I actually mean 6%. I don't mean the bro on the internet who's telling everybody that they're 12% body fat, right? I mean, if you ask someone, hey, man, what do you think? How much body fat do you have? Oh, it's fine. It's like between 12 and 15. Man, like that, that, is, that guy is probably like 15% off. These people start a diet and they're like, yeah, I'm 15% body fat. They need, I mean, they're cutting in a deficit for 26 weeks and they're nowhere near abs. You obviously haven't started at 15% body fat, right? It, because even the even if you take something like a DEXA scan, that's probably about seven eight percent off, in in some cases, right? I mean, it's very skewed data. 
So it is not about, I mean, it's all, a, it's all an estimate, all, all a guess. And then we were talking about individual fat distribution, which some guys will have fat stored in different places. I mean, one great example that I like to talk with my clients about is that let's say you're, you're in a diet right now, you're in a caloric deficit, and you're, and, you're all, and you're looking for progress. You're looking for indicators of progress. What do you think people are looking at the most? Well, number one, they're looking at the weight scale. Number two, they're looking at the mirror, right? Two most common ways people are looking to for indicate, okay, is this what I'm doing working? You step on a weight scale, maybe you got stressed a little bit, you I don't know, you didn't sleep well that night, maybe you had some sushi the night before. The weight scale shows the same amount of weight. You didn't lose any weight. Maybe you retained some water. Who the hell knows? How do you measure that? Number one, you're looking at your abs in the mirror, nothing changed. And you're thinking in your head, look, shit, this is not working. Like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, maybe you just retained water and you just lost. I don't know, maybe even up to like two, 300 grams of fat from your back that you never check. Do you think there's no fat on your back? Like, what the hell? You know, there's fat everywhere. Mm. You know what I mean? Nobody's looking at their calves. Nobody's looking at anything. They're just looking in that six-pack. They're just looking in that center point. And, and it takes months and months until you actually get to that point where you can visually see progress in that six-pack area. And that's what the guys are zoomed in on most of the time. While their body is, is mobilizing fat stores from everywhere, if you're in a cloak deficit, I mean, you're, you're getting shredded, right? But that portion that, that most people are looking at, that's the last one to go. And unfortunately, that, that's why a lot of diets fail. It's the never disappointment. People can't sustain it. They, they're just not motivated. They don't have they, – they just not – they don't see it as worth worthy of a trade-off anymore. This is just too painful. And most guys give up, you know, before they ever reach a six pack, you know, they're just the way it is. They can't handle it, right? Is it is it a case of people are probably in a in a better word of putting it, a little bit obsessed with maybe getting the six pack and they when they don't like as you say, see those results, they can't sustain it. Whereas like you say, that is gonna be the last area of the body that will well, in a better word give its fat up whereas you, you i think the general word of it it's, it's your arms then your face and then it obviously works its way down yeah and like like you say well, the, the abs will be always the last <laughs> thing to go here's the thing it's not it's not people's fault if you ask a caveman right if i brought a caveman right now if i could snap my fingers if i would ask him do you care about a six pack does does he give a fuck i mean does he care Obviously not, right? Mm. But we're being fed the image of a guy walking around all year round with a six-pack, with big arms, big chest, big shoulders, and he's super sexy, and all the girls love him, and all the girls are just I don't know, dropping on their knees in front of this guy, right? And this guy is the, the alpha male, right, with the six-pack. And that's the obsession of the six-pack. If you, if you just look at what the six-pack really is, it's just reduction of body fat, which comes from a caloric deficit sustained over a period of time, and building up the, the abdominal muscles, it's nothing special. There is an obsession with it because of the, the information we're being fed that this is, the, this is the ultimate end goal of every guy living in 2000, whatever, I mean, 16, 17, has been going on for the last couple of years, and, and especially. Right? There's such an obsession since the sto- social media boom because every single guy that ever has a glimpse of a six-pack is now already having that as his profile picture on Facebook, right? I mean, everybody is doing it. And it's actually, in one way, good because it is pushing people to do something challenging. It is pushing people to get out of the comfort zone. 
But it's important to do these things out of the right reasons. If you think that your six pack is going to bring you some kind of happiness or anything different in your life, it's probably, I mean, it's probably going to last for a week, right? If you're, if you're, if you're a depressed little troll with no skills and nothing to give to the world, and if you don't want to improve yourself, you don't want to give value to the world, you're going to be the same that the, the same troll with a six pack, and if you're 50 pounds overweight, nothing will change from you getting a six pack, right? You'd be the same exact person. But if you're doing it for the reason of okay, I want to challenge myself, I want to see what is there for me to do, I want to see where I can take my physique, challenge my body to do this. Then we're talking about a journey that is a journey of self-improvement, and you're going to be happy whether you get it or not. And that's the people who usually get it and who can endure the journey because they're, they're just happy the way they are. They're just comfortable with themselves. That's why they're, they're getting it. They're not frustrated. They're just happy, and they, they're, they're just comfortable with themselves. And that's a position where most, people, most guys get eventually. They're, they just don't give a fuck. And, that's, and, and as soon as they stop, stop giving a fuck, they all of a sudden start stop being blinded and start seeing the dots and start being more engaged with what's happening in the world. Once you're engaged, you can see, okay, I did these foods, I did this calorie intake, this is what happened. I need to reduce if I want to keep losing fat. And they are engaged now. But as long as you're here, you're stuck and you're looking at that mirror, you're not engaged with reality, you're just following a certain plan, you don't see the data and you're just blinded by it and you think that the world hates you because you, your thing is not working. I mean, it, it is really something that I would say that not a lot of people are even, uh, what we're talking about is a minority of people. Most people would, would just benefit from dropping their body fat to a healthy range where they can just train and feel healthy and be good about themselves and feel good about themselves. I think that's, that's, where, that's where we kind of need to start off with and then we can see, okay, do you want to go to the extreme level body fat or not? So, yeah. It is really personal preference at the end of the day. What do you, how low you want to go, and and what are you willing to pay for that? Well, it's it's that's a good point that you raised. That you need to obviously have a personal goal in mind, and obviously everybody needs to get to a healthy range. And if you want to progress onto that, that's up to you as an individual. But then, like you say, not everything in terms of diet training will work for everybody so it's trying to find what works for you and are you willing to put in those sacrifices to get to that next stage so be it that you want to do that so kind of going on to my next point uh, and kind of coming back to the newer people that are starting off in training what type of training would you recommend for them (laughs) well I mean if you're just starting out and if you are kind of like not sure about anything, what are you going to do, or if you don't have a specific goal in mind, it's really good to build a base of strength. Just have a base of strength. Because you can express that base of strength in all sports. Eventually, if you want to branch out to a specific sport, if you're strong, if you have a base of strength and a base of lean body mass, you can express that strength in a, in a variety of ways. So I do recommend for beginners who are not sure whether they want to go the route of powerlifting, bodybuilding, specific sport, calisthenics, or whatever else sport there is out there that want to do, maybe some martial arts or whatever. If you're not sure about any of that, if you just want to do something with your body, it's probably just a good idea to do basic general strength training in the gym with compound lifts as much as your mobility and your 
and your, let's say, past injuries and all that allows you. And if you build that base strength and that base lean body mass, because lean body mass is even more important here because strength is, is skill-related, lean body mass is kind of there as a potential for expressing your strength in different ways. If you build up your lean body mass, if you reduce your body fat percentage to a normal range, if you are taking care of your diet, if you're eating mainly whole, healthy, unprocessed foods, if you build up all these healthy habits, then you can express that strength after a year of general strength training, you can express that strength in any other sport you want, right? You can take on basketball as an extra. You can do all these things. But have basic strength with compound movements. Have some form of compound lifts that are doing their their job, which is basically hitting everything at once. You know, that's the benefit of a compound lift is just hitting everything at once. So instead of doing 16 isolation movements, you can just squat once or deadlift once or bench press even and you're going to replace a whole number of movements in just one go. It's not as efficient for some targeted muscle groups and some specific things, but it is going to hit everything. It's going to disrupt homeostasis the most, and you're going to get the best bang for your buck for that. And in terms of growth as a beginner, that's most likely you want to keep it simple, focus on the core six, seven movements, what you can do like pull-ups, chin-ups, bench pressing, squatting, deadlifting, Romanian deadlifting, whatever variation you want to do that focus on those core lifts master those like some pressing over your head master that build up the lean body mass focus on mastering habits if you then want to switch over to something else go for it very very easy to switch very very easy once you have a decent amount of muscle mass i could i could easily right now switch to olympic weightlifting right i just need to learn the lifts and just practice the lifts more and i would be able to do that but I can't do that if I'm overweight and if, I'm, if I don't have any basic competence with, it, with a barbell. Right? So just know the basic general strength training is kind of a foundation. And then you can take it from there if you want to specialize. And that's um, I would recommend for about at least a year or two of uh, general strength training before you kind of branch out into any other area. If you're just a beginner who has zero experience weightlifting, probably the best idea you can do right now you're going to look fantastic and feel great about yourself you're going to get strong and you're also going to learn about the sport and about your yourself about your body right and coming to the last question now um obviously most most people will are kind of generalized in that with that point uh would assume that to lose weight you want to do more cardio uh to come to my point why is resistance training better than cardio for fat or weight loss? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say better. Uh, we're, we're looking at two totally different uh, types of stimulants in, in a sense of uh, what kind of adaptation you're getting from each stimulants in terms of resistance training. You're obviously getting adaptations where your muscle size is increasing, your strength is increasing, you're, you're getting better at that specific skill in terms of cardio you're getting certain other adaptations, more endurance-based stuff and all of that. Uh, for most people, I like a combination of two. If you're just coming from that, uh, let's say, general population standpoint where you just want to get healthy and then get benefits from both. But if we look at it, I, I think that it, the resistance training part is more of my own personal bias where I've been resistance training for a long time. And I'm kind of leaning more toward that and just being generally active which is something that is a natural part of your hum, 
like uh, human existence is to be generally active. You know, be the person who takes the stairs, be the person who is uh, going for groceries, be the person who is walking, who is not taking the cart everywhere, or the car or whatever. Be the person who's carrying the groceries, right? Be the person who's active. That's going to kind of take care of the activity in terms of the the, the deficit, a, a little bit of an extra deficit to lose weight. The majority of the deficit, about 70%, should come from the diet anyway. But then the resistance training is there to really make sure that most of that loss of weight is coming from body fat. Because we don't necessarily want to reduce muscle mass. I mean, unless you're in, a, in an ultra marathon or something like that, there, there's really no point in reducing your lean body mass, your muscle mass. There's really no point in that. So, or if you're, let's say, an athlete in a class, there is some sport that is not related to, to muscle size. But in most sports, having a decent amount of muscle mass is helpful. I think overly focusing on either one, I mean, I w- if I had to just pick one, I would go with resistance training in general, being active in your lifestyle. But if I had to do cardio, I'd probably combine that with some resistance training just to make sure that those muscles are still needed by the body so the body doesn't just get rid of them. And um, I'm not saying it's going to happen completely, but we can see from from a standpoint of looking at what the what the athlete looks like who's just focused on cardio and what the weight loss looks like afterwards, there's a lot of uh, muscle mass, so you lose a lot more weight, but you don't lose that much body fat as much of it as a percentage of that weight mm-hmm. loss. So if I was doing a Biggest Loser show, which is usually an example that people use with this, right? If I was interested in the Biggest Loser, so the goal is to lose weight. The goal is not to lose fat. In the Biggest Loser show, obviously I would put someone on doing seven, eight sessions of cardio a day if I could, right? I would get them to do as much cardio that would lose as much muscle as possible because I don't want that. I want the weight loss. I don't want the, just the fat loss. That's why you, you can win the biggest loser show, not just because you're losing fat, but also because you're losing muscle. But if your goal is to look good and have longevity, have the muscle strength, the size, and basically in terms of just looking at long-term indicators of health, lean body mass is one of the key factors there. Resistance training would play a role. Maybe the overall weight loss will be less. That's because you're building muscle, but you're, you're going to get in a much better position to retain that new weight and to look better and, and feel better and do all these. And your body can handle uh, much more food. You can you literally are getting a system that is more optimized for movement, which in the end will allow you to, I guess, eat a little bit more as well and just feel much better about yourself as well as uh, coming back to the factor in the beginning where we said we want to express what we're good at. When you have that muscle mass, you want to express that, you're going you're gonna to want to go to the gym. You're going to want to stay active because you have that asset there that you build up. And you want to express your strength. Compared to cardio, I mean, it is a good habit. Makes you, it really gives you like those endorphin rushes and all, the, all those good things. But it, it's not as, uh, I, I would say, it's not keeping people hooked as much as strength training, especially guys. Guys are really hooked on weight training after they get some base strength. We really love to be strong. As guys, we love to be strong. And I think that's one reason for us men, at least, we're very, very attracted to strength training. And even girls, I would say, a lot of girls, once they figure out that they're not going to get bulky and huge by lifting heavy weights, they're so passionate, they're so passionate about it because you get to be stronger. I mean, how cool is that? You know, how cool is being stronger? 
And uh, that, that's what keeps people hooked as well. So I think that's uh, one thing we have to mean, know what we're, what, what we're up against when we're doing these things. So it's kind of, again, it, it is coming down to looking at what approach. I would say a combination of both, but uh, resistance training would be a must. Uh, especially, I mean, for, for women, if you have a lot of uh, women in your audience, resistance training is the key for minimizing muscle loss, maximizing bone density, which is going just becoming worse and worse the more you age. And similarly for men, uh, we're getting in trouble as well there if we don't do any resistance training. So yeah, the, I think the best combination would be somewhere uh, just a little bit of both if you don't necessarily care about branching into a specific thing like uh, like some bodybuilding physique or whatever you want to do. And you touched upon it there like briefly at the end, uh, the, that misconception for women about bulking can you can you explain a little bit more as into a little bit more depth as to why women can't bulk like 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 the case of men (laughs) well i mean we're talking about a different physiology we're talking about the the potential of gaining muscle mass for for a girl an average i'm not talking about there's outliers there's outliers i mean there, there are women out there who can build a very large amount of muscle mass and especially lower body. But when we're talking about the general, like the average girl in the gym, number one, she can't even lift that heavy after a while. I mean, it's just the physiology, the, the hormones and everything. The body is just designed differently compared to a male physique. Even if you put on, let's say in the first year as a guy, you might put on like 25 pounds of weight, right? girl can put on like 12 if she does everything right. Mm-hmm. So it's already a half. If you put that 12 on a small frame, she's going to look fantastic. And uh, if she reduces her body fat percentage, she's just going to look like a strong girl, right? It's not going to be like this bulky monster, <laughs> which you, you get scared of because you saw girls taking drugs and uh, compete in a bodybuilding show, which is a completely different universe, right? We can't compare a, a physiology that is uh, enhanced with a natural physiology. You don't see natural girls walking around that are just freaks of nature because most of the muscle mass that the girl will build is probably going to, if she has a decent workout plan, it's probably going to be on her glutes and her, a little bit of on her like shoulders, her back. You know, She's going to look fantastic, right? Mo- that's where most of the muscle mass will go to is if she has a good program. And as far as the other muscle groups, I mean, you don't really need even to target that much of arms and, and chest and all of that. There's not a lot of potential there for growth anyway. So, I mean, with a good program, uh, and and if you're not paranoid about gaining size, which you won't gain due to lack of whenever one. I mean, hormone testosterone is. I mean, it's not even in the same universe as when we were talking about guys. That's just one factor. It's not the only factor, but there's really nothing to worry about. We've seen examples. If you look at natural. If you look at natural shows with women, bikini models, fitness models, you're going to see that these girls train their freaking ass off and you can see how they look. You know, they, they've put in the effort and you can see the outcome and you see that what is it if you put in the maximum amount of work, what do you get? So there's really nothing to fear of and um, that's kind of like the media again. Uh, cardio is for girls, you know, gym is for guys. You know, this is just uh, complete nonsense in most of the I mean, most of my female clients, they're, they're, they're deadlifting, they're, they're squatting, they're hip thrusting a lot. They're, they're as strong. I mean, some of them are hitting PRs more, much more than my male clients. Right? And I was like, it's crazy, right? Because girls are, girls are very, very passionate about, about their body. And I think in, in a lot of cases, and depending on the culture, 
women care much more about their appearance than men, which is really, really, I mean, a motivator for them to work on their physique, especially when we're talking about maximizing their their feminine kind of traits and um, their curves. I think women are, I mean, fantastic clients in terms of the, taking care of themselves. They, they put in much, much more effort than guys. Guys <laughs> tend to go sometimes YOLO mode, uh, and um, they just don't give a fuck, right? While women, they actually give a fuck. You know, they always look in themselves in the mirror. They, they are, have have a very good observational and self awareness of what their body looks like. So they're they're pretty real when it comes to okay, what what this needs to change. But for guys, I mean, some guys you can get them halfway there, and they're like, okay, I'm good enough. You know, fuck this. You know, I can. I'm just gonna go and do something else. You know, and that <laughs> happens sometimes, right? Happens sometimes. Uh, but there are also, I mean, the type of people that I work with. Luckily, I mean, just people that resonate with me the most to my YouTube channel are usually guys, not necessarily interested in competing, but they're guys who are looking to maximize their potential as a human being. So we're already talking about a level of people who is above, let's say, the the ego-driven kind of nature where it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, I want to get abs to prove that I can do it or because I've been like, I don't know, I just want to get a girl or something. There are more people who are reading books. There are people who are interested in self-development, and this is just one part of their life. And that's where we're talking about we're on the same level where we're just enhancing ourselves. We're already good, but let's just become a little bit better, right? Let's just see what our potential can be. And that's, I mean, why I'm really happy and that I get to work with all these great people because I'm learning from them as well because they're, they're investing so much in self-development and personal development which as a coach, I mean, I'm helping them with health, let's say, but all of them, I mean, they have companies and they're CEOs for, for some of them for decades. And I'm learning from them, right, in that area, that area of their life. And that's just the way, that, that's, that's the way it is, right? So it is what one man can do, another man can do. It's just a matter of fact that I put in more effort into this than they did. Mm-hmm. And now we're just, not, that's where, the, that's the difference, right? There's nothing that I'm doing that someone else can't do. So that's uh, that's the beauty of of coaching as well, and and just you resonate with the type of person, I guess, what you are. So that's um, one really cool thing here that I'm that I'm happy with. So once again, thanks thanks to Mario for taking the time out of your busy schedule and sharing your knowledge. It was some well. Thanks for having me, man. It was a uh, was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> it took a while to set it up, but uh, it was it was really good. Well, some insightful, insightful things there. Obviously, well, we had some technical issues, but it is what it is with technology. And yeah. uh, if if um, anybody wanted to connect with you via social media, be it through your YouTube channel, uh, I've seen that you've also got Instagram. Uh, if they had any further questions to ask you, how how would they go about doing that? I'd say the best thing is you you can do to kind of get to know the content and what I'm really about and when what you can maybe where you can get the most value is if you just check out the YouTube channel and you check out certain videos, subscribe, see which topics resonate with you the most, and that's where you're gonna get a ton of value. I mean, I do daily videos. Um, you're gonna find a ton of stuff that you can relate to, even if you're not super into fitness and nutrition. You might find something that is gonna help you become more productive, become more motivated. On the other side, if you're not interested in that, and if you just want hardcore evidence-based fitness and nutrition, you're going to be able to find that as well. So that those are the things that I'm passionate about, 
and I'm simply going deeper and deeper into that on the channel. So that's probably the best way. And aside from that, as you said, Instagram and Facebook are also linked in all, through the YouTube. I think that YouTube is probably going to be the place where you can see how well you resonate with the content, and that's where you're gonna you're gonna get the most value. So that's, that would be a recommendation. And I generally, I mean, I reply to every single comment I get on YouTube. So if you have a question or something like that, you can always leave a comment on a video, and I read all the comments and I reply, reply to all of them. And it sometimes takes a while, but I just go through it. And because I like to communicate with people, I like to talk with people. Because that's inspiring me to make better videos and also to provide as much value as I can. So once again, Mario, thanks again for taking your time out of your day. And like you said, uh, to get any content, obviously it's probably better to go to your YouTube channel to look at that and see, as you said, what videos resonate with you. And, well, I, I, I that's probably how initially I kind of followed you as obviously for your YouTube channel. And then it was, you made it probably, well, what, what, well, n- n- nutrition and fitness at the best of times can be quite challenging to uh, the general public because there's so much information that you can get. You could type in anything that you wanted to into Google and you'd come up with probably hundreds of thousands of results. Yeah. So it's it's a case of going to a reputable source, isn't it, and, at the end of the day and, and probably finding somebody that you can kind of tr- to a certain extent trust and resonate with and obviously uh, you, you bring out daily content, you engage with your followers so if they say for example there isn't something you 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 don't know the answer right there and then you will go out out of your way to find the answer so it's it's probably there's probably that i don't say that misconception but a lot of people go to i think there was this survey i read uh i think it was almost 50 percent go to their friends and family thinking well that's not it's not that's not good all the time because that's their opinion on something and it might not be the best choice of information. So it's to kind of come to my point there, it's probably following people uh, that know what they're talking about as well as being popular as opposed to which is probably the culture now in society, people follow people because they are popular and they might not know what yeah. they're talking about. Yeah, the social proof um, issue there is that we're we're kind of biased to believe what uh, other people believe the most because it kind of uh, allows us to save energy because we don't have to make decisions ourselves. We can say, hey, this guy has 50,000, 100,000, half a million subscribers. I mean, can't all be wrong, you know, they must be right about it. So let me also do that. And that's, uh, I guess, one final point here is that you want to be questioning stuff. You know, you want to be a critical thinker. And I think that me being a critical thinker is one of the most valuable skills that I have as well, because I don't believe stuff face value. Just I just don't take stuff for granted. I just like to see what the sources of the information. So even here, what we discussed about in Six months later, I mean, I could totally be wrong about something. I could, I'll be thinking about, oh, should I said that on that podcast? It was totally off. Maybe I could have said this. And that's normal to experience this. And this is a normal part of being a human being is to, to be uh, driven by 
your current base of knowledge and what you currently available in evidence, that doesn't mean that that in the future won't improve and that it won't get better. We don't know, right? And that's one part of my channel that I, that I really like to convey to people is that don't believe everything I say all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm, I, I might say something that is based on the current evidence that we have and based on my experience, but in the future, there might be new evidence that's going to refute that. And I will be the first one making the video and saying, well, shit, guys, I fucked up, you know, let's, let's do it better, you know? And that's completely normal. And I'm improving and bettering myself, and you will also be doing that. So be ready and open-minded for, for learning, right? Be ready to be wrong. And if you think you're right about everything, you're probably not learning anything, right? You're probably not just stuck with the old methods and you're not going to get that much better. And the, the fact is that I don't even believe, I mean, I believe in, in, in a lot of things that I say that, I mean, we know what works. It gives results in real life. But I believe everything can be better, I think that everything that we're doing right now will be better in the future. If I, we were talking like five years ago, half of the things I just said to you wouldn't even be scientifically validated. Right? It would be just a guess, a hypothesis. But today, we actually have some evidence behind these things. So five, ten years from now, we're going to have even more evidence. So we're going to get closer and closer to the truth. The more evidence, research, and funding we get for studies, we're getting better and better. We know a lot more. We know a lot more in, in terms of like the, the nutrition side of things, the exercise side of things. We have great researchers who are working on this, and I, I had a great chance to meet some of them in, in just earlier this year in Norway, in the UK. I was actually in Bath, UK, uh, on, a, on a really good conference. I was in, in Oslo. I know I mean, people are working on this, and that's that's really good for us because we no longer have to just rely on experience. We have studies, and these studies are just getting better and better and better. So what I'm predicting after a while is that we're going to get really, really close to the truth. And we're going to get so close that it won't even matter because the difference between what we know and what we could potentially know in the future is going to be so minor that now we're almost going to be able to give people that answer that they're looking for, which is basically yes or no, right? Because right now we're kind of like, well, this isn't good or bad. I mean, this is what it is currently based on the evidence, but we don't know if this is 100% going to work. And that's something that we still have to test a lot of things. But in the future, maybe you're going to have a just a quick DNA test, put you in some kind of bod pod, come out of that, just says, hey, here's a perfect workout plan for you, perfect nutrition plan based on your DNA, based on your your uh, epigenetics, your environment where you currently live. You filled out a huge survey, Pretty much, it's autofill because you've been already filmed with cameras where you move every day, and and like you're you're in some kind of uh, uh, testing room, and everything is fine. You just spit out a workout plan immediately. You have a little counter here that says how many calories you've ate today, and it starts ringing when you go over your calories for the day. That's not so far away. That's like 10, 15 years from now, you're gonna have all these things. So we are getting better and better, and it's important to know. I mean, we know enough to get really great results. We can see that. But it's always improving, and we, be ready to improve. Be ready to uh, be ready to change, and that's that's why I like about the about the YouTube channel is that I position myself in that way where people aren't thinking of me like some kind of weird guru that is right about everything. They see that I'm just a person who has taken a lot of research, my experience, combining that and giving the best I can in this moment. But the best I can a month from now will be better. Right, six months from now, the best I can do will be better than that. So it's always getting better and better and better. That's same with your body, same with everything. So 
important to know that, right? So be ready to question, right? Be, be a critical thinker. Well, I, I, like you said, towards the end of that point, uh, it's always about challenging things. It's not, no, nobody is 100% right with what they say. At the end of the day, like you say, what we say today could be completely wrong in the future, okay? It might be further supported by scientific evidence, but people should obviously challenge things because at the end of the day, that is that is your yours and ours opinion and you should have your own opinion as to uh what you think of something and obviously it's probably the case of society's probably gone completely the total different way obviously <laughs> with with being pc and and people don't like to challenge things okay or oh, you think that or oh, I'll follow that and it, in some cases that might not be the right thing whereas if you and say for example you and I don't agree with something we'll have a conversation as to why why do you think that and I think opposite and just have a discussion whereas I think people have kind of gone away from that to a certain extent and some people are say oh well, that person thinks it's that that must be the right way of doing it whereas it comes back to that psychological sense well you should challenge something if you don't believe that to be true okay you might you might be perceived as as wrong, but that person has to argue their point to get it across. Yeah, be be ready. Be ready to accept nuance. Be ready to accept nuance points. That's uh, most of the world isn't yes or no. The world is black and white. It is very very nuanced. Be ready to look at the context of the situation, and then you can actually use the information as something that is true knowledge. Is the information itself has no value without the context. Right? So that's something we, we don't want to forget. So context and then added with information is actually knowledge. That's the, the final point I mean here. Just understand that the context is really what it matters the most here. So I think we'll wrap it up there, Mario. So once again we kind of get to the end now. Uh, thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedule and obviously that, that everything that entails with life. Uh, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a, it was a great chat. If you wanted some bonus content, I have now set up a Facebook group where you can interact with both the guests and I. The name of this so-called group is Mindset Game. So why not come over and check it out for yourself? And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review in iTunes as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.